sermon, and her brother, I think, is also here. Some, there he is, and the Lord bless him. And, uh, uh, started talking about the weapon of prayer, and I looked at it as a weapon, and I, I don't want... Uh, it, it has been used over and over again in the word of the Lord, but there are a few examples where you can, it's a weapon that if you're not careful, if you don't use it right, um, you can actually pray yourself into some depression. Uh, the, probably the most famous story is that of Elijah when he uh, had a great miracle and revival and one lady by the name of Jezebel did not repent. This is found in 1 Kings about 18 was uh, 19 is a revival, 20 <clears throat> those chapters um, when he, uh, he started running for his life. He got up under a juniper tree and he said, Lord, uh, you can read his prayer. Oh, God, life is hard. Things are bad. Oh, God, why am I going through all this? I'm not any better than anybody else. And I don't know why. I've, it just seems like it's so hard, Lord. I don't think I can do anymore. Just take my life, Lord. Well, the Lord has never come to steal, kill, or destroy. Amen. You understand what I'm saying? And so, I forgot I had this other microphone. I'll turn this one off. Uh, he's not ever come to steal, kill, or destroy. So when he was praying, God, take my life, he was praying contrary to the will of God. He was, God was not wanting him to die. God did not want him to take his life. And it was a prayer that was centered on his own self. Look at me, what I'm going through. Ain't it awful? Things didn't work out the way I thought it would. Things are bad. And so he was not using prayer as an appropriate weapon. In fact, God had to feed him and then bring him to the mountain and then the still small voice. And then the Lord told him, now I've got a job for you to do and gave him uh, a commandment. But I, I mentioned to you this morning that one of the ways to really, I know, as my wife said earlier, it's to pray without ceasing. And how do you do that? You can't always be in a prayer meeting, obviously, but yet these early writers talked about praying without ceasing. And so it's having an attitude of prayer. And one of the most important things that you have to have is to align yourself with the will of God when you are praying. And so that might mean to say, Lord, I need to repent. I need to get back in the will of God. I need to confess my sins on what I've done wrong. I need to all of a sudden ask the Lord to change my behaviors and I need to work on changing them and set some boundaries. I need to uh, check my attitude. You know, uh, it's, it's amazing how the enemy will uh, usually attack an individual on the way to church and get you all emotionally upset and then you come in and you're not an effective prayer warrior. You know? 
And I, I've seen folks, not anybody here, but you know, they're, they're mad and they're fighting and fussing on the way to church and they're upset and they get in there and they both just kind of fume at each other and all through service. And, I, and not us, but I'm just saying, you know, hypothetically. And, uh, and then the service comes and goes and I haven't, you know, I haven't said, Lord, I need to align myself to your will. I need to, you know, get my emotions, my attitude in check. And I, I need to get my attitude changed. And maybe I'm, uh, whatever it is, I need to align myself to the promises of God. And I, I talked about the, uh, that this morning and uh, finding an example to, uh, or a person to try to imitate in the word of God. And one way to, to align myself to the will of God is to pray the word of God. And so to put the word on, to actually speak the words that were written, you're actually speaking another way. And I, I didn't really mention it this morning, but when you pray in the Holy Ghost, you are praying the will of God. In fact, the New Testament talks about when you pray in the Spirit, you don't even know what you're praying, but you, the Spirit inside of you is praying through to allow yourself to pray according to the will of God. It's not that you say, well, sometimes, and I know people will say, well, I don't understand why you speak in tongues when you pray and, and they, they look at the Corinthian scriptures and we can talk about all of that but the truth of the matter is at times not just in church but in your own prayer time you need to pray through to the Holy Ghost and let the Holy Ghost flow through you so that you are you don't even know what you may be asking for but who knows the Lord may use that prayer to align yourself to the will of God and according to John if we ask anything according to his will he hears us and if he hears Hears us, we have the petitions that we ask. And so the powerful point of praying ourselves into line with the word of the Lord. And then, of course, I mentioned praise. And I, I understand we were talking and you were doing that tonight. We talked about how that praise is actually not just simply what we do on Sunday night. We had a lot of worship and we had a lot of praise and that's wonderful. But sometime when you are praying at, at home or when you are praying uh, before work and you say, Lord, help me. It is also good to put a praise in there and to start praising the Lord. It loads the gun, if you will. It gives that prayer power. You say, why? Because you can't help but feel the anointing as you begin to praise and magnify the Lord. I know, you know, in the old prayer clock we used to give, it started with praise and we went through repentance and all that and you came around to praise. But it is so true that whenever you you, you pray whenever you are, are praying. If you're not careful, you can find yourself, oh God, why me? What's, what's, what am I going? It's not fair. Things aren't going right. I never thought this was going to happen. I didn't think that was going to happen. But if you will say, Lord, I remember when you performed the miracle. I remember what you did. I remember the night I filled with the Holy Ghost. I know, Lord, one day 
you went to Calvary, you shed your blood, and you begin to praise and magnify God, all of a sudden it starts producing faith inside of you, and it starts giving your prayer the power, and it all of a sudden changes the whole outlook on prayer. And I, I, I read what Paul said in Philippians, whatever he said, you know, he, he used this, he said, let everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving and be careful for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your requests be made known unto God. What are you saying? I'm saying that there's something about praying through and saying Lord you know exactly where I am you know what I'm going through and you know what's going on but I'm going to add some thanksgiving. I thank you for what you've done. I thank you for how you've healed. I thank you for the spirit that we felt. I thank Thank you for revival. I thank you for the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. I thank you for Calvary. And before long, your prayer is energized. And now, I realize, and we, we talked about how Paul did this and how in Acts, the 16th chapter, how he and, and Paul and Silas were in jail. And, and an amazing story because I think sometimes we, we get excited, and I, I touched on it this morning, but they, they were singing praises, and they prayed and sang praises. And I don't sing, it doesn't, doesn't, it's not written that they were saying, oh, God get us out of here. Oh God deliver us. Oh God help us. Oh God get us into someplace else. You know it's not fair that we're here. Doesn't sound like it was that was what was going on because whenever it happened and the earthquake they didn't run out the first chance they could but stayed around and witnessed to the jailer who was about to commit suicide and I mentioned this morning who knows what you're going through and how it's going to impact somebody else, the testimony that's going to be there. And, and, and they went back and we, we read the end of the story where the magistrate at the end of the story is begging them, please, will you leave? Please come out of the jail. And the Bible says that in Acts uh, uh, near the end of the chapter, it says the magistrate was afraid and he besought them and desired that they get out of town. And then my last and I... I uh, alluded to it, and I'm not. I'm just going to read it. It's very short. Not, not going to preach a long time, but I, at all. But the last example, one that we're all familiar with. But I want us to just take it apart a little bit. The Bible starts off explaining in Second Chronicles, the 20th chapter, and I've, I alluded to it this morning. Jehoshaphat, the Bible says, feared. Have you ever been gripped by a spirit of fear and anxiety and worry? Jehoshaphat was, had every right to be. And there were some people, Ammon and Moab and some that had gathered together and basically they were uh, greatly outnumbered them and they said we're going to come down and we're going to destroy and we're going to kill. And it was a, you know, you have every reason to be afraid. And so Jehoshaphat was afraid and guess what he did? Started praying. Started praying. Oh God, started seeking the Lord, even fasting, fasting and prayer. 
You know, sometimes you ever feel like you need to miss a meal? You, you, you know, that's another way that's trying to line you up with the will of God. Lord, I'm doing something. Why? Because I don't want it about me. I want to focus my time and energy on you. And you say, well, I don't believe I need to do all of that. I want to tell you, as we get nearer and nearer the coming of the Lord, it's going to be more important that we learn how and know how to use the weapon of prayer. And part of that is using the word, talking in tongues. And so he proclaimed a fast. And all of Judah gathered themselves together. There's, you know, and there's something about that doing it together. And I, I realize we have corporate prayer. Not everybody can make it. And I get it. You know, people are busy. We do it once a month. I realize on Friday I could roll out and hit my knees and go back to bed. But there's something about driving in, you know. And it does something about it, you know, it makes a difference. Now, I, you don't have to do it. Ladies, and I understand that there's something about women's prayer. And I know everybody can pray at home, but there's something about being together. It, it does something when you, you're part of the body and when we worship together, it's easier to worship together than, you know, when you're at home by yourself. You know what I'm talking about. And so an individual says, oh, I don't need that. Well, somebody might need your prayer. You don't need it, but maybe I need it. You know, maybe I need the strength. And so he proclaimed this fast and he asked the Lord, even out of all the cities, and they came to seek the Lord. You can read it. They stood in the congregation of Judah and Jerusalem in the house of the Lord. And you know what they started doing? They loaded that prayer up with praise, with worship. You know what? <laughs> It's bad. I'm afraid. Oh, God. What's going on? Oh, God. We were trying to do right. Oh, God. People don't like us. Oh, God. That's not how that... Oh, God. I don't understand why you didn't heal. I don't understand why you didn't just... Why I had to go through so, why I had to go through so many tests. I don't get it. I don't get it. But they didn't focus on that. They started focusing on God. That's why the Bible will say things like magnify the Lord with me. Why? Is because you've got to make God bigger than whatever you're going through. As long as whatever you're going through is bigger than God, you've missed the point. And that's why magnifying the Lord becomes so important. And so they said, oh Lord. God of our fathers, aren't you God in heaven? Don't you rule over the kingdoms of the heathen? And in thy hand is there not power and might and none is able to withstand thee? Here they are. They are praising the Lord in the midst of all of this fear, in the midst of all of the trouble. And they said, kept going. And, and they said, art thou not our God who did drive out the inhabitants? Now they're thanking him for what he did in the past. You drove out the inhabitants of the land before your people Israel and gave it to the seed of Abraham. Now they're going back a thousand years in history. Oh, you say, well, I don't feel very victorious. I want to tell you something. You, 
Brother Chuck Ulrich was here playing and he could tell you the story of when his father was an alcoholic and God got a hold of him and got a hold of his family. What are you saying? You can talk about recent history. You can talk about church history. But I'm telling you, God is never the same. He's never the change, rather. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Our God is still powerful. If he's ever delivered from alcohol, he can still deliver from alcohol. If he's ever delivered from drugs, he can still deliver from drugs. And so they started praising the Lord. And the seed of Abraham, thy seed forever, and all Judah stood before the Lord. They even got their little ones. I know. I was told tonight that when you preach, we get a chance to play. I get it. I know kids, they don't have a long attention span. I'm not, I'm not saying all that. But you know what? Parents, grandparents, it doesn't hurt if your children are in here. You're worshiping. Bring your little one. Stand around the front. Oh, they'll feel bad. No. What are you doing? I'm teaching them how to use a weapon of warfare. Because I don't know where they'll be 10 years from now. But I want them to know where they can get help 10 years from now. You say, oh, I don't want to scare them. Well, you don't have to scare them. They brought their little ones, their wives, and their children. And the Lord responded. And listen to what the Lord said because I read it and I've read it in a couple different versions and I read it in the other place in the Bible and I I couldn't figure this out because the Lord basically said, you're not going to need to fight this battle. Fight in this battle. Set yourself, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord with you, O Judah and Jerusalem. Fear not nor be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them and the Lord will be with you. <clears throat> There's no place in there that was just the commandment of the Lord. Don't be afraid. And when the Lord said that, Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground. He humbled himself. And all the inhabitants of Judah, inhabitants of Jerusalem fell before the Lord, worshiping the Lord. And then they got together and they go, how are we going to be able to not be afraid and go into battle? How are we going to be able to emotionally handle standing there and not being dismayed? I don't know how we can do it. Anybody got an idea? We're going to have to just stand still as the enemy gets closer. We're just going to have to stand there. And I don't know who it was. If it was Joshua or, or somebody said, I got an idea. Why don't we just block everything out and sing? Notice, he consulted with the people. The Lord didn't say, put singers out in front. The Lord didn't say, lead with the worshipers. We've always read that and thought God said, put the choir in the front. God didn't tell them put the choir in the front. They figured it out. We got to worship 
or we're going to be scared out of our mind. I want to tell you something. At some point, you will realize when the enemy is attacking you emotionally and mentally and fear and anxiety, that the only solution is to attack it with a spirit of worship and of joy and of rejoicing and of praise and it, you, you say, well, I'm going to attack it intellectually. I'm going to just tell myself that they're not going to be able to get me. <laughs> I'm going to tell you, you're going to find yourself with not using your weapon to the full extent if you try to think your way out of it. But you can sing your way through it. And so he said, let's get the singers and those that praise God and the beauty of, the whole, of his holiness. And they went out in front of the army and began to praise the Lord, saying his mercy endures forever. And the Bible says, when they began to sing and to praise, I don't know what happened, but the enemy either got confused, it uses the word ambushments, but something happened that they got upset set or they, they couldn't figure it out and they started killing one another and whenever the choir and the army came and stood and then they, they stopped the choir song and they went and looked all the enemy had killed each other what do you say the enemy the devil and I, I don't want to get in I know theologically I, but the enemy the devil was a worship leader in the book of Re in the book of Ezekiel and in, when it talks about before that was the world. He was the one that was a covering cherub. In his vesture was pipes. And so when we use prayer, that's wonderful. But when we turn the devil's own weapon of praise and singing against him, it is like immediately what he has aimed for us is deflected back into the source. <laughs> you say, you say, but I don't feel like singing. I know, but I'm loading my weapon. Devil, you didn't want me to praise the Lord. You thought this one was going to be the one that was going to make me say, I, I don't feel like worshiping anymore, but I'm here to tell you, I'm still standing. If you take me out of here, I'm going to go out of here praising because one day I'm going to walk down a street of gold and sit beside Jesus and I'm going to worship my way through. Let's stand. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. I, I don't understand how it works. I wish I could tell you. I, I wish I could tell you scientifically. I wish I could tell you. But my wife was reading an article. Was it from a neuropsychologist or something? She was a neuroscientist. A neuroscientist that said her family was somewhat dysfunctional. Just recently you read this article, right? And she said, my parents and I never voiced 
that we loved each other. We never, here she is, an overachiever. And she said, my father started slipping into Alzheimer's or dementia. And this very well-educated neuroscientist said, I finally got up the courage to say to my mom, Mom, do you think it would be okay if I said I love you and you said I love you back? Just on the phone. And her mom said, sure. And she said she was very nervous because The next phone call, it was kind of like awkward because somebody's going to have to be the first one to say it. And she said, so I agreed I, I would say it first. And I said, Mom, I love you. She said, well, I love you too, and hung up. And it was all, it was a first. Her dad, who was slipping into dementia, she said the same thing to Dad, we don't ever say, I love you. Can we say, I love you? And you say, I love you. And said, yes. She said, I love you. And he responded, I love you. And she said, now, every time I call my mom, well, in the conversation, I'll say, I love you. And mom will say, I love you. She'll respond. She said, but as I watched my dad deteriorate mentally, one of the first things he would say was, honey, I love you. So she said, I'm gonna concentrate all my energy because there's something there that neuroscience-wise, that grabs hold of memories and will pull them into their thinking when those memories are connected to an emotion. And she started a whole new research field to find out how emotions impact memories. And that's where she got her first thing because she said, when my dad would say it for just a moment, it would be like he would know who I was and then he'd lose it when he would say it. Oh, I thought, you know what? Bless her heart. I don't know who she, I don't even know the lady's name. But I thought, the Bible's already told us that there's something about it. Whenever I just start praising him, start responding to the love. He says, don't anyone rather, he's already said it first, for God so loved the world, he said it. But if you will just simply begin to praise him back, it all of a sudden connects your thoughts and all of a sudden you get power through prayer when you begin to praise and magnify Almighty God. Let's come. Hallelujah. Let's I worship.